Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. You're tuned in to Real-Time Relationships. Enter the world of successful relationships. You'll get insider tips on how to navigate the perils and pitfalls of modern dating and up-close-and-personal real-life stories you can relate to from Dr. Camarado's personal clients. Dr. Marianne Camarado is a relationship expert, author, and media personality who continues to enjoy her own long-term successful relationship. And now, here's Real-Time Relationships with Dr. Marianne Camarado. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Real-Time Relationships. My name is Marianne Camarado. I'm so glad you're here. I appreciate you joining us today. The topic is uh, why younger men prefer older women. That's what we're going to be talking about um, this hour. Um, We've heard about the cougar phenomenon, at least many of us have. If you haven't, look it up. It's, It's out there, these older women who prefer younger men. However, in the realm of heterosexual relationships, it's been the norm that men prefer younger women sometimes. Uh, and it's been speculated that this is stemmed from biology and impulse to procreate or psychological needs, right? For example, men have had a need to feel a sense of power or need to be looked up to, whatever the case. There's also been the growing movement, the less known movement towards younger men preferring older women, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, We also know that men's sexual hormones peak at 18, which is interesting in this conversation. While for women this happens in their 30s, research also shows there's a greater chance of sexual compatibility by partnering with an older person, in this case an older woman. There's a greater chance for a more mature relationship. Uh, better com- uh, career compatibility, and given women typically outlive men, after 80 years old, for example, there are four widows for every widower, um, just to name the, a few of the perks that, that younger men might have. What we don't know is why some younger men typically prefer older women, which is, again, what we're going to be exploring today. That being said, what we don't know, we're going to be exploring with our guest today, Darren, who's going to be with us this hour. We're going to speak with him about why he prefers uh, older women, or in this case, his partner, who is a woman who falls into this category. We'll be delving into his thoughts and attitudes regarding this growing shift as we all continue to move into this emerging new relationship paradigm. Darren, welcome to the program. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Absolutely, Marianne. I'm I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. Um, when you and I were discussing the program before, uh, and I brought it up, the, the, the topic, what was the first thing that came to mind when, when I discussed this with you? Uh, the first thing that came to mind, so for me, I think I almost have that image of what you were talking about, the cougar phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a ton of experience with, 
uh, other than my own personal experience, but I haven't had a lot of friends um, my age with older female partners. So for me, that image of kind of the younger boy toy almost partner comes into my mind. So Mm -hmm. um, in my own relationship, it's funny, I think because that comes up, I want to say I compensate or I I overcompensate a little bit and want to make sure that I'm never giving off the vibe or putting anything out there that makes it look like that's the tenor um, of my relationship because it's certainly not. You know, we, we are connected on so many different levels beyond just that, you know, mm-hmm, physical mm-hmm. or being more youthful kind of level. Can we pause? Thank you for that. Can we pause on this, this perception of the cougar scenario and the vibe that you have gotten from friends growing up? Like, what's the what's stigma? It feels like there's a little bit of a stigma around the cougar scenario. Say more about that. Yeah, I mean... Um, for me, kind of, I, it's funny, I don't do the bar scene anymore, but for me, before, like, kind of going out in the town or going to bars, there was always kind of that uh, idea of, hey, there are older women at the bar. I wonder if they're, you know, checking out any of the younger guys. I wonder if that, and, and I don't know exactly where that comes from, uh, other than, you know, maybe that's something younger guys kind of want, and we're all like, I wonder if that's going to happen. Um, and And, you know, I think it might be one of those things, too, that, um, maybe from movies, TV, entertainment, somewhere that got picked up as kind of a cultural meme. Um, you know, but I, I know, like I said, back when I used to go out with some of my friends on the town, that would always be kind of a uh, um, a subject of conversation, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the baby boomers, there was that movie, The Graduate, right? You're mm-hmm. you're a millennial, correct? Uh, you know, I are don't you, know which one I fall into. Okay. I think I'm I think I'm right in between Gen Y or something. I, I forget okay. what they call it. Gen Y and, and millennials. So, for you, what were the media um, imposed storylines around um, older women and younger men that that occur to you? Well, you know, it's funny. I actually um, I saw The Graduate. That was one of the movies I saw growing up. So maybe that was. Ooh. Maybe that was part of it. Um, <laughs> but there's been there's been kind of a litany of different movies, and honestly, they they all start to run together after a while. Some of the newer movies, but um, you know, I, I I've having trouble placing exactly which one it would be. Yeah. But uh, but I know that it's been embedded in there in there somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was the message you feel like you got from that? Because I'm hearing, okay, I'm out at a bar, and you wonder if women are wanting the younger men. But what are some of the messages, or what did you make of this this meme um, that was surrounding you? Well, honestly, maybe it explains kind of the relationship I'm in today. But it was always kind of appealing. It was like, yeah, I hope so. Um, mm. Like that would be mm. that would be cool. Um, and maybe it's just the intrigue of kind of being with someone older. Um, Maybe it's the idea of someone more experienced kind of in their body and relationship. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure that maybe some personal things play into it as well. But, yeah, for me it was it was mostly a reaction of that would be interesting. I mm-hmm. kind of hope that's the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, and and the, the what is the case, let's talk a little bit about that. Like what did you yeah. imagine that scenario would offer you? that maybe the more traditional 
heterosexual normative um, men being a little bit older or the same age scenario might not have given you? What was more intriguing or or uh, what did you think this, this new paradigm relationship might offer you? One, it might be the woman taking a little bit more control. The idea of an older woman does bring up for me kind of the image of the woman being a little more in control and in that scenario being the one to really reach out and say, you know, like, I kind of want you instead of the guy going to uh, the female. So maybe kind of that different exchange of energy, um, the female being a little bit more empowered, overall a little more experienced and, and coming from a place where uh, they're choosing me or they're choosing the male uh, instead mm-hmm. of the other way around. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And the word that comes up for me when I hear you talk about this is a kind of a deferred vulnerability, right? Because <laughs> right? it's yeah. vulnerable. It's typically cast on men or the, the masculine archetype to be the aggressor or the pursuer, right, in that old right. mythology. So what was that like for you uh, growing up to feel the pressure of being the one that uh, had to pursue? Did that occur to you, and what was that like? Definitely, and I think it's juxtaposed with a rising consciousness, especially when I was a kid, and especially in my household as a, a strong mother figure, with not um, – wanting to ever cross that line with a woman of being too forward or too aggressive or kind of borderline on on that um, kind of behavior that we all are so averse to, or at least I am extremely averse to, which is, you know, being too aggressive with a woman to the point where they feel very uncomfortable. Um, so to, to have that expectation on one hand culturally that says, hey, a woman wants a man who's going to go up to her and ask her, go up and throw her against the wall, that kind of idea uh-huh. um, balanced against, well, how do you make sure that that's what they actually want and how do you not overstep that invisible line? It's a, it's a, I think a lot of men nowadays are faced with a pretty careful balancing act to really pick up the cues and know when to push a little more to get a woman's attention versus when you're kind of doing the unwanted advances. Mm-hmm. How was how that for you growing up? Can you share a personal experience or so on when that worked out well and when it didn't, uh, being the pursuer? Sure, sure. So probably sometime in middle school, I want to say 12 or 13, I was in the the unemulable position of having feelings for someone who didn't really return them. But, um, you know, I wanted to think, well, I'm going to give this a good go. And I was, I was young, everything else. Um, but I basically would write notes and do things to show affection to this woman. She was, or this girl, uh, and she was not interested and it ended up being, you know, something where her parents contacted my parents and it was, you know, it was really embarrassing. Obviously the message was, Hey, our daughter is not interested in any of this. You need to rein in your your son over there. Um, so that that was one example that kind of sticks out to me, and you know that could have affected my future behavior because I think as I later on went through life, I was um, I pursued a lot less unless you know I got some very clear signals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that really stands out in my mind. Did you, um, thank you for that. That's very vivid. I could 
feel that scenario, how tender and vulnerable that must feel, right? And the expectation as a young man that that's sort of the imperative, right? Right, and you're getting egged on by your peers, everything else. Right, <laughs> right, which is my next question. What were your peers doing? Were, were they, uh, in comparison, because that's what we do when we're young, we're, we're trying mm -hmm. to differentiate who are we, who aren't we. We compare ourselves to our peers. What was happening with your peer group? I, I hear they were egging you on. What else was happening that, that impressed you uh, in terms of being the pursuer or not? And then maybe some decisions you made around their behavior. Yeah, yeah, well, I... Uh... I definitely had a pretty broad group of friends, so I got to see kind of the whole spectrum, but I definitely was always impacted or impressed by friends who were seeming to be always kind of being really forward with women in our peer group, um, getting a lot of attention from that and kind of the stories of, you know, whether it be sexual exploits, things like that. It always seemed like um, the ones who were more forward, would definitely come back with those tales. And now looking back on it, you know, some of that could have just been made up uh, just from being at the time and, and wanting to kind of have those stories or the pressure to have those stories of, of sexual accomplishment. Um, but it, it definitely seemed to me that it was the, the friends that were, you know, more aggressive, more forward that were getting that kind of attention and having those kind of stories. So that would then trickle to them, you know, encouraging you to do the same, mm -hmm. uh, or encouraging me to do the same. So, um, you know, and then I had a lot of friends that were kind of in my boat of being much less for almost, you know, incredibly shy around women because you didn't want to give off that impression that you were going to do something unwanted or something like that. Um, and you certainly didn't want to be rejected on the other hand of that story. Yeah, right? yeah I'm sure fear, yes, fear of rejection mm -hmm. goes, plays a big part in it as well. Yeah, where you had an experience where you were rejected, and that was, sounded like it was very painful. You said embarrassing. I'm saying painful. I don't know how it felt for you, but it did make an impression. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. I think it's both. So first love. Tell us about your first love. What was that like? Was it a traditional scenario, and and how did that come about? Yeah, so first love was pretty traditional, I'd say. It was uh, first year going off to college. Um, met a girl who was, you know, my exact age, actually a little bit older, <laughs> about six months older. Um, we met in the dorms through a mutual group of friends, and, um, you know, just were taken with each other really quickly and you know within about three months we were breaking the rules to live in the same dorm room and basically becoming totally um, intertwined um, and you know I think now, now that we've been talking I think the dynamic of that was a little bit that she was kind of uh, seeking more of my attention to, to start the relationship off um, you know we had known each other in a group of friends and I think she was um, really kind of putting herself forward to me uh, and and that drew me in and, and we were together for about two years um, she was from an area pretty close to my hometown so we ended up spending a lot of time together on breaks from school and that kind of thing uh, and pretty much inseparable until it came to a, a kind of a 
incendiary end of things, um, mm. which I think some of those young relationships that move too fast can, can do. Mm. Yeah, we get fully immersed, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> losing yeah. losing the sense of self sometimes a little bit. Yeah, well, it, and when we're at that age, that, that that makes sense. We're trying to figure out who we are. Not that we're not always trying to do that in some way, but yeah, we become we become merged with those love loving relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you were to look back at that relationship and other uh, experiences you've had. Um, up until this relationship you have now, through the lens of older women or mm-hmm. more mature women, um, just sort of at this moment, what might you say? You, you sort of mentioned you're having a little bit of a, huh, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. What, what could you see already as a, a pattern or a preference here that was growing inside of you? Yeah, I think um, the preference was for a woman who was a little bit more sure of herself, um, more sure of her body, almost more experienced than I was to be kind of a, uh, I don't want to say necessarily a, a teacher, but a guide in some aspects of relationship and um, yeah, and sexual encounters to have someone who was a little bit more experienced and more forward and open to kind of bring me into that, let me kind of open up a little bit more where I may have been closed off in some of those mm-hmm. areas. I don't, I don't want to make, I don't want to make myself sound, uh, you know, too much like a delicate flower, but maybe <laughs> some of that. <laughs> some of that. Oh, this is beautiful. Thank you for saying that too, right? This is a very unique perspective that maybe men aren't encouraged to say out loud and for the benefit right. of all of our listeners and, and the myriads of men who are certainly sharing your experience, I'm, for one, so appreciative as a, a woman even hearing a man's process, another human's process for sure, but from this, the, the way, the traditional uh, archetypal way that you've been programmed, how you are coping with that. And, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful, so thank you. Um, Darren, before you met your partner now, who you've been with, um, you're, you're going to tell us a little bit about that. Just at the cusp um, of meeting her, um, what was happening in your life? Um, were you getting out of a relationship? Kind of set us up so we know how, where you were at and uh, you know, what, what sort of set the stage for your relationship with your partner now. Sure, sure. For me, uh, it was a pretty big time of change in my life, and I was coming off of a um, pretty unhealthy relationship, actually, um, that kind of sparked a lot of a lot of the change I started going through. Um, and so, for me, there was a lot of new people in my life, a lot of new places, and that really is what led me to meet my current partner was just kind of getting out of my normal routine uh the relationship i I was in i I don't want to it's not incestuous in the literal sense but you know it was with you know in in the milieu of people i spent time with that's who i ended up having a relationship with and it was it was very stagnant i guess what i want to say um 
And so breaking out of that and shaking things up and having change and then having, um, like I'm sure we'll talk about, having kind of a, a angel stumble into my life was was really a, a blessing. And I think because I was a little bit more open and a little bit more seeking of change, it was easier to find a relationship and be open to a relationship with someone I, I may not have pursued before, or someone I may not have thought I was interested in. Mm, beautiful. Okay, Darren, we're going to go to break. Everybody, sit tight. When we get back, we're going to find out who this angel was and is and delving deeper still into the conversation, why younger men prefer older women right here on Real-Time Relationships. I'm Marianne Camarado. We'll be back right after these messages. Stay tuned. If you're over 40, you have particular concerns about dating and relationships. You've been engaged or married at least once, have children, or realize you can't. Suddenly you're using technology as part of a new dating culture. You may be stressed by sexual concerns, diminishing libido, worrying about having sex with an older face and an older body. Despite being older and wiser, you don't want to give up the juicy, fun parts that relationship has to offer. And now, you don't have to. Go to MarianneCamarado.com and find out how. Tune in the fourth Wednesday of each month, dating over 40 at 9 a.m. Pacific do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at it 50-50 and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real-Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net. everybody. Thanks for joining us. You've tuned in to Real-Time Relationships. I'm Marianne Camarado. Our guest today is Darren, who is exemplifying, uh, responding to, going down the proverbial rabbit hole with us as we explore why younger men prefer older women. During the break, we were talking with my producer and who brought up a beautiful point, I think, Darren, which is the imprinting we have as young people. And my producer was saying that he uh, was attracted to women or the women archetypes versus the girl, right, archetypally. Uh, the, 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 the women who made an impression on him growing up, uh, it, la- it made a lasting impression. It stuck with him. There was something about uh, a woman versus a girl. What do you think about that, Darren? Let's circle back just because I think this is a, a, a salient point. Absolutely. I, I resonated with that 
right away. And I think that was part of when we were talking in the first segment about, um, you know, why did that situation with Cougar appeal to you? I think that's part of it is just the idea of this is a fully formed woman rather than kind of the girl archetype who's, you know, more knowledgeable, more aware of their own sensuality, their own femininity. So, yeah, I, when he said that, I kind of was like, yeah, I should have said that. I was, I <laughs> well, you did just say it, so there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, well, beautiful. So, folding back around to um, what we're going to talk about this segment, which we alluded to at the end of last segment, if you're just joining us, we were talking about all of the cultural norms and the traditional ways that men are expected to be and to be sort of the assertive one, um, the one who creates relationship, who reaches out, et cetera, and how that trend is now turning towards um, this other archetypal or what I'm calling a new paradigm relationship, what many people are calling a new paradigm relationship, where we have all kinds of ways to define our ourselves, uh, not only sexually, but in terms of the way we choose to be in partnership. So, Darren, you were getting to the place where I was just about to ask you, tell us about your partner now and how you came to find this angel. You said that there was, you were at a place in your life where you were just open to something new other than what you had been experiencing in your life. So tell us, tell us the story about how you met your partner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to call her Key just for the sake mm-hmm. of saving her name here. Um, so I met Key when we I was actually out at the concert, uh, reggae concert, and I was kind of in the, at that point in my life, I was going to tons of shows, you know, going out a couple times a week. So, you know, I was out dancing, enjoying the music, everything else, and during one of the set breaks, um, this woman came up and asked to read my palm, and I turn around, and, and now I've come to know T is a fashion expert, but she, there was this woman with these feather epaulette pieces, this big uh, sizzle hat, anyone who knows reggae, that's a giant reggae artist. I was kind of like blown away for it. I was stunned. <laughs> I was like, who is this person? Uh, and she was asking to read my palm, so I let her. Uh, and she was saying some really, really insightful stuff about me that was really disarming for someone who didn't know me, um, especially an older woman to be having these insights of kind of looking through me as if I were transparent. It was like, wow, this is, you know, she's pretty incredible. Um, so uh, as it happens, we go back into this concert and uh, I noticed her dancing up near the front. So I ended up going up to start dancing with her and gradually we just kind of worked to be dancing together and uh, from there, we're, we're uh, pretty much inseparable. <laughs> <laughs> did you, that's a beautiful story, um, did you, did her, when did her age occur to you? You did say, oh, there was this older woman. So it did occur to you that she was mm-hmm. older. How, how did that occur to you? You know, honestly, she didn't really look like it. I just thought because of how she was carrying herself, uh, what she was saying. I saw the group that she actually came with. I saw her, you know, after our initial meeting, she kind of walked back to the group of folks she came with, and it seemed like older folks. So I thought, you know, she must be older, um, but, it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, than me. And, and mm-hmm. But it was funny because, you know, right away it didn't necessarily register except with kind of the energy she was getting off, giving mm-hmm. off and how she was acting and holding herself. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in terms of how you saw her then uh, as mm-hmm. someone who had some very interesting insights, like she could see right through you that you were transparent, um, these are indications perhaps of a kind of wisdom which is necessarily or typically associated with with uh, maturity, right? An mm-hmm. older person, someone who's been around a little bit, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you look at it that way versus uh, older and in the ageism story, tell us about your thoughts about ageism because you're describing something that is not ageism. It's a kind of an awareness that is trying to make sense of someone's embodied presence, right, versus mm-hmm. ageism. What's your take on ageism as it relates to what we're talking about? Well, you know, I think before in my life I had, I had had my moment, you know, I, I had been stricken with ageism, I would say, um, kind of judging people based on their appearance and their relative age. And I think this relationship has really fully kind of broken me out of that way of seeing people. Um, I would say that while I did have my times of judging people based on age, I have a little bit of a unique scenario in that in my family life growing up, uh, my folks are pretty old for in terms of the age difference between child and parent. They had me when they were 42. So I was around uh, an older set of people growing up in general, so I was predisposed a little to be able to look past age, but definitely, especially when you're talking about assessing potential partners or potential sexual partners, you know, that would be one of the first things in my mind, Um, while in this case, like you were saying, that wasn't really the first thing in my mind. I knew she was older, but that didn't really play into my decision of, am I going to pursue her, want to talk to her more, that kind of thing. Age played no role in it, and, and you know she's a little unique in that she's really extremely youthful. She was dressed cooler than I was, and knew all the songs more than that. So it was almost like it, it didn't really. There wasn't um, any apparent age different, uh, any apparent barriers in terms of age difference. Like she's not hip, or she's not. You know, she was definitely, uh, you know, just very compatible. Mm-hmm. And you described her as kind of timeless and ageless in some way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if she's just blessed with amazing genes, but, yeah, she's, uh, you know, great in terms of physical body, just no outward appearance of being older really at all. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, a, a great portal for us moving into a conversation around some of the fear, judgments, and phobias that people seem to have about the aging body and relationship. And I'm particularly fascinated in this uh, from a woman's perspective, um, and I'm actually, I have a growing fascination about how men feel about this, your aging body, aging bodies, and what role this plays in the way that you can be intimate or not with a woman. Can you talk about this? What occurs to you? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I think intimacy is really so much more than about the physical body. I mean, for for us as partners, physical touch is really important. 
Um, my partner loves sensitive touch, and it's something that really is, we, we value. Um, but you can have that no matter what the body necessarily looks like. Um, you know, for for me, as much as my last statement before you went into this, I was kind of like, her body showed no signs. You know, she that, that's not the first thing I think of. And especially when being intimate, it's more about just being willing to be open and accepting the body as someone you love and the particular shape, size, suppleness, none of that really matters. And maybe I'm unique in that. Um, but for me, once we're connected on, a, on an emotional level, we've already been willing to be very open with each other, giving ourselves time to really drop in with each other on, on a heart-based level, level, you know, the worries or, or any thoughts about the body kind of drop away other than to, to nurture it and, um, and show affection to it. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to break, Darren, and everybody who's tuning in with us. And when we get back, we're going to drop into that conversation around are you, mean, are you unique here? Uh, most of us have lots of fears and phobias about touching bodies, our own aging bodies, what that means. And we get back right here on Real-Time Relationships. I'm Marianne Camarado. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at it 50-50, and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real-Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. If you're over 40, you have particular concerns about dating and relationships. You've been engaged or married at least once, have children, or realize you can't. Suddenly, you're using technology as part of a new dating culture. You may be stressed by sexual concerns, diminishing libido, worrying about having sex with an older face and an older body. Despite being older and wiser, you don't want to give up the juicy, fun parts that relationship has to offer. And now, you don't have to. Go to MarianneCamarado.com and find out how. Tune in the fourth Wednesday of each month, Dating Over 40 at 9 a.m. Pacific All positive talk with a mature edge. HealthyLife.net Welcome back, everybody. I am so glad you're here. This is a rare opportunity, Darren. Uh, that we have to be able to have an intimate conversation and one that our listeners have the benefit of being part of with us. I'm so grateful and appreciative to be able to talk about uh, some of these very intimate layers that many of us keep inside our mind or we 
think about, but boy, to be able to uh, consider some of this territory is not only uh, courageous on your part, but it's it's healing. You're you're providing a, an opportunity for us to to really consider some things that can cause an awful lot of not only psychic pain, but can lead to all kinds of other physical concerns, cultural concerns, the breakdown of the family dynamic. I mean, right in this one conversation, uh, our relationship to our bodies and what we make that mean. This is some very potent territory here. So having said that, right before the break, we were talking about why is it that, in my opinion, you seem so comfortable uh, or unique, as you put it, with being in a loving relationship, uh, the, the sexuality, the sensuality playing out that transcends some of the concerns that, that a lot of us have that often stop us from considering a relationship. I can't tell you how many of my clients and, and folks that I have had and will have on the program who, who really the buck stops with how old they are. Oh, I can't date him. He's too old. He's too gross. Uh, she's too disgusting. This, all these really harsh characterizations when the people don't even know each other. Like we stop at the body, right? That this is the extreme form of ageism. Let's yeah. talk some more about that. You had some interesting thoughts during the break about why you might have a unique perspective and why your partner might have a unique perspective and how that might help as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the biggest things that makes it such a non-issue, and this actually may be universal, but certainly with my partner, she's just extremely confident in her body and doesn't feel uncomfortable and gives off none of that energy of being uncomfortable about her body, um, which makes it really easy for me to not think about that either. Um, and I think it is really important when you say, you know, clients who have never met each other are worried about all these physical things. You know, it really starts, you have to drop in with people and see kind of the, everyone's called it chemistry, right? So you see the chemistry you have with people, and it's just funny that once that connection's made, maybe because we're, we're spirits in a body, the, the body or the vehicle isn't as important other than it is the vessel holding this this being this that you care about uh, and you want to nurture it and you want to show it affection and you want to, to give to it and you know once you once you come to that point it's you, you, as long as the other person's comfortable in their own body it's it's just not something I get uncomfortable with mm -hmm. well I'm, I'm hearing that your the way you see her is through the lens of a, a more spiritual or soulful connection, and then the body comes. Yeah. Right? It's not that you don't see the body, but the, what you're calling chemistry is something that's deeper than the physicality. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I, I really see things that way. And, you know, while I'm a pretty spiritual person, I don't think I'm kind of the most spiritual person out there and still that basic truth about connection being much more than a body it resonates, rings so true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How about earlier on, let's, let's just go back a little bit to earlier times in your youth or when you were in, in some previous relationship incarnations. Was that always the case for you or have you had some more carnal 
physical focused relationship to compare to this one and how if you did have a different experience how does that compare what have you what do you notice about the different scenarios I think the simple answer is yes I've had the more, uh, carnal relationships but as another follow-up to that I think it's especially the sexual uh, activity it's just much less rewarding uh, when it's strictly about body and you know the physical beauty of something by our, our own standards uh, and there isn't the other connection or sometimes you haven't let that other connection develop before you jump right into the the carnal pleasures as you said it's just so much less rewarding you can't your your body can't be as open uh and you know as, as i've learned more i think especially the female body needs to be nurtured and really appreciated before it really opens to allow itself to have a lot of a lot of pleasure a lot of rewarding sex and I think if you don't do that then you know as a male your partner is not going to be experiencing a level of pleasure so for me kind of being in tune with that which we all are even if it's a carnal experience you're pretty in tune with how much pleasure your partner's having so if they're not open and, and experiencing that then it kind of affects your experience and it just doesn't reach those those heights that it could in nearly the same way well, that's beautiful, and boy, there's probably some people out there thinking, huh, I, I'd like to meet a guy like that, you know, because <laughs> while what you're saying feels um, so resonant and true, and it almost seems ideal, uh, and not what we see quite a lot, Darren, can you appreciate that? Can you appreciate that maybe the norm is uh, perceived that men seem less interested in this level of depth and connection, or am I making that up? I, I think, you know, I think it's kind of both. I think men don't want to feel like they should have that level of connection, and maybe I'm overanalyzing a bit, but I know that was some of my experience in late teens, early 20s. Uh, you want to feel like you know, wherever this perception comes from, culturally, whatever the case may be, you don't want to feel like you get that emotional about it and that mm. sex is more like a conquest. It's the physical exaltation of yourself using the other person's body almost. Um, and so I think that a lot of men see it that way, but I think they're also, I don't, I don't know the right words, but they're also kind of forcing themselves to have that viewpoint, not letting themselves open up to, hey, I should want a deeper connection. It kind of defaults to no, I'm a guy. I want to have this be kind of a one-time exchange, and I get what I want, and I'm not going to try to seek this deeper connection. And maybe because it, it does then necessitate a little vulnerability. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful response. Wow, very, very, um, a lot to chew on there and to consider. When we come back after the break, I want to talk with you a little bit about what we might do to invite men into uh, greater vulnerability and how we can all be a part of that because, boy, on the planet right now, we need you men. We need this healing conversation 
to restore the balance that, that we are feeling the imbalance of, at least a lot of us who are noticing that imbalance. So we get back right here on Real-Time Relationships. I'm Marianne Camarado. We'll be back right after this message. Dating Over 40 explores real-time concerns people have about dating, mating, and relating. You are invited into the intimate world of my amazing clients who generously agreed to share their experience. The people like you who risk their vulnerability and have the courage to tell their stories and intimate concerns to help you make a difference in your relationships and your life. Tune in to Dating Over 40, or if you'd like your own private sessions, visit MarianneCamarado.com. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at it 50-50 and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net Welcome back, everybody. So, boy, oh boy, Darren, you have somehow managed to find your way into opening up this whole heart chakra space, I would say, moving, uh, to use that as a metaphor for moving energy culturally or even in your own individual body, moving that energy from the traditional down in the sacrum, around sexuality, conquest, survival, moving that sexuality up and up and up and into the heart and beyond. That's kind of one way to characterize the journey you've been on, in my opinion. Um, but the the rippling effect, the the words that you're saying are, are hearkening um, to a time that is coming where men now have the opportunity to move into deeper vulnerability uh, and greater intimacy. Um, how can we invite men forward uh, without the fear of losing the thing that they are frightened of losing the most, which is the the masculinity, right? The, the identity with the masculinity, I think. I'm not sure that's true. What mm -hmm. do you think about that, and, and where do you see us going in the future here with men in this conversation? Yeah, I think it, it gets to a place where you have to start seeing the opening up and bring, opening up your partner as almost an elevated masculinity where it has mm -hmm. to go beyond just yourself and your own feeling of being in control or being um, kind of in, in the power position sexually, whatever it may be, you have to see that you can still 
have a power position and elevate your partner. Um, so masculinity doesn't always have to be about putting one down or making sure one is lower so you right. feel fully empowered. So it's not man. power over, right? Right, right. It's power in a way that you lend that power to your partner um, and, and it, you know, makes me feel more masculine. It's like, yeah, I have so much power. I can lend it to my partner. I can, I can show the patients and give to them in a way emotionally and then physically in a way that, that really empowers them, allows them to open, allows them to feel empowered themselves. And I still have plenty. Um, M power. I love that. A, a new characterization, lending your power to empower. That's beautiful, Darren. Yeah, and, you know, this isn't, this has come over time for me, definitely. Um, and I think my current partner has helped develop my whole spiritual awareness about this in a big way. Maybe not directly, but just in our being together and her being able to communicate that that makes her feel better. So that may be part of the equation as well. Um, in some relationships is, is having the, the feminine power speak up and say, you know, I want to be, if not worshipped, I want to be given to in a way that makes me feel very good and empowered. And, you know, I, I need you to do that instead of trying to have the power over me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That is a great characterization. Thank you for that. Um brings up my next question, which is prejudice. Have you felt any prejudice about your relationship as you've been moving through the world? Um, you have a significant age gap. We don't need to name what that is, but it's one thing when you have six months. It's another thing when you have five years, but then if you've got 10 years, ooh, 15 years, uh, older woman, younger man, people can be cruel even. What have you had to face here? What kind of prejudice and how is that for you now that you've been together for, for you know, a significant amount of time? How has that changed? You know, I think I was a little more conscious of it when we were first together. Um, now it may be that I just push any of that out of my field because I feel so good about the person that I'm with uh, that I just don't even – Register. You know, it still comes up some in the day-to-day experience. You get that person who doesn't immediately think your partner's, um, you know, even as bad as, oh, is that your mom? And it's just like you don't, after a while, you don't want to feel enraged. You don't want to let it affect you. You just, for me, I, I just overcompensate and you know, grab my partner or I just say, you know, no, this is my wife, um, although we're not married yet. So it, it's. I haven't experienced, though, anything overt in terms of anyone saying anything negative. Um, Especially, you know, friends and family have all been extremely supportive. But I think that, um, for me, that that times when it comes up, I'm able to kind of put it aside. And actually, sometimes I feel almost the other way, where it's empowering, and people have treated me in a way of, almost more respect and more import because they see my partner is older and they think, well, maybe this guy has a little bit more to him than the youthful front that I'm seeing here in person. Uh, so it's interesting. I've 
I've seen some prejudice, but I've seen a lot of the other kind of uh, the other way on that as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Your, your partner T has really made a difference in your own family life. Can you give us a couple highlights of how? The, the beautiful way that she has uh, really helped the family dynamic. Not that it needed help, but it's helped. It, you, some things have shifted. <laughs> yeah, Put it that yeah way. absolutely, absolutely. She plugged in in a beautiful way uh, that brought us all closer and has really opened up other members of my family. Uh, I think what, what I was, I, I've been mentioning to you before the show, you know, my mom actually bought a smartphone specifically to talk to my girlfriend, to share pictures. My girlfriend loves photography, so now my mom's sending all these pictures, and um, he also has this habit of, of making everyone, when you take a picture, you have to pose, you have to do something interesting, and now I'm getting <laughs> all these all these pictures from my mom and my dad now of people that are making pose in these certain ways, and, uh, you know, she's just really kind of loosened and shaking things up a little bit, because um, we had a very tight-knit family growing up, uh, basically out in the country in western Maryland. So having a new energy just come in and, you know, being older, maybe a little more empowered fully in her, her own um, personality is able to just shake things up, and, and they love it. Um, you know, my, my mom especially, I, I like to say they're, they talk more than, you know, I talk to my mom, my girlfriend talks to my mom. Um, so it's been, it's been really nice, and she has, you know, she has a really big heart. It's really open. And so it's easy to to love her and bring her into bring her into the family. Beautiful. So we're coming up to the top of the hour, and I want to know what you what you want to leave our listeners with today, Darren. What do they need to know about younger younger men and older women? What are your final thoughts for us? Well, I think one of the biggest things might might be even more overarching is that not letting age or initial perspective or uh, initial judgments you make based on age really get in the way of exploring beautiful relationships. I mean, whether that's friendships, whether that's romantic partners, um, you know, don't let age be a barrier to exploring those things. And I think what we just talked about on the last segment about masculinity, I also hope that, um, men can feel more that their masculinity is more than control over another. And I, and I hope that women, too, can feel empowered to ask for some recognition and kind of the play of those dual forces to say, hey, I need to be respected as a woman. Are there certain things you need to cater to to make me feel really good? Uh, whether that's just in conversation, whether that's sexual, you need to be, I, I hope women feel empowered to, to say, you know, I don't need you domineering conversation. I don't need, you know, and and I think men really do listen to that um, more than you may expect. Uh, it has a lot more of an impact, you know, as much as even the most, you know, masculine guy definitely takes that in on some level. Um, so really I hope good it, consideration. Yeah, yeah. So I hope it kind of helps empower both sides to kind of come together rather than rather than push apart. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ask this last question on purpose because I think it's a it's the whole own show, the, the population of the planet. But I know you and your partner have discussed uh, children 
and the importance of children, and we're not going to get into that here, but I know that, that our listeners are wondering about that. When there's an age difference, there's this idea that men have to plant their seed and all of that. But I, I wouldn't mind if you just, just briefly spoke to that as a last point because it is such a big topic, but just sort of letting us know where sort of where your thoughts are with that. Sure, sure, and it's a question I've gotten before. Um, I, I think for us, we kind of looked at children or birthing something into the world in a different way. Uh, we, we happen to also be in business together. So for us, we can kind of nurture and give to things that aren't necessarily physical children, but kind of fill that area of being attentive and nurturing something. And also, uh, on the other side of things, you know, she has a child, um, so she's been through that process. Uh, for me, it's I, I've been around a lot of children growing up with cousins and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I it's it's an interesting one for me because I never want to say like, oh well, you know, I don't need kids. Um, you know, I'm never going to shut out what could what could happen. But if she'll she'll say jokingly when we talk about it, she's like, oh, you're a guy, you can have kids till you're 90. Like you you have plenty of time. <laughs> so I I think we I think we've kind of transitioned that energy to nurture and and bring something up to to our various projects and maybe a little bit to our our dogs as well. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, on that note of creation and moving forward, thank you so much for your time and care and attention to this subject. Uh, this this growing phenomenon, Darren. It's been such a a privilege to have you with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm hoping people got some, some useful insights and some useful uh, things out, out of our discussion. Well, we can be sure of that. And everybody, go to MarianneCamarado.com for more information. We'll see you next time. And, Darren, we wish you and T all the best as you continue your journey into loving partnership. Uh, thank, thank you, likewise. What a show, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. My heart is really open. Uh, Darren's vulnerability was extraordinary, the way he articulated uh, the changing paradigm of relationship, his curiosity, his vulnerability. It was just gorgeous, and I hope you've got as much out of this program as I did. And uh, if you want more of this, keep coming back. Real-Time Relationships is a program we designed just for you so you can have authentic, deep experiences dropping into a relationship with yourself, other, and the world. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Go to MarianCamarado.com for more information. Be well.